Amen. Thanks, Sarah. Morning, all. Um, if some of you were expecting uh, a different speaker because you read your newsletter, uh, then I'm sorry to disappoint you. You've got me. Uh, our guest speaker was supposed to be Lance Hesketh. So, Lance, if you're watching at home, um, get well soon. Lance got sick with COVID, but he's on the mend. Um, but I got the call uh, early in the week to say that um, he couldn't do it. So you got me instead. Um, so hopefully I'll do half the job that, that, that you were going to do, Lance. Um, today, as Sarah said, is the last in our four-part series, a short little series that we've been doing called I'm In. So far, we've had I'm invited, I'm invaluable, I'm invested, catch up on our YouTube channel or on our podcast. And today, the talk is entitled I'm Influential. I'm influential. Now put your hand up if you feel really influential. Who feels, okay, some of you, who feels like an influencer? Anyone feel like an influencer here? I'm not surprised, if I'm honest, that there wasn't a sea of hands to say, yes, I'm an influencer. Maybe some of you feel that, which is, which is amazing, but I'm not surprised that not many of you perhaps relate to that term influencer because, to be honest, in the last 10 years, what we understand by that term, influencer, has, has changed radically. When I was growing up, maybe when you were growing up, an influencer would have been a teacher, a mentor, a sports coach, a parent, friends, our youth leaders. I, I don't know. You can probably think of people who were influential in your life. But nowadays, culture has hijacked the term influencer. To be an influencer now in the digital age is to be a content creator. It's to be a social media celebrity. To be an influencer, I heard this definition this, this week, to be an influencer is someone who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. And the most likely route to becoming an influencer is just to work on your beach body, to go on reality TV, and to upload some videos on TikTok. But today, I want to try to re reclaim and to redeem the term influencer and to look at what the Bible says about it, what it means to be influential, and hopefully for you to see yourselves as God sees you, because he sees you as an influencer. Now, now Jesus talked about us, if we, were, if, if we are his uh, followers and his apprentices, he said that we, we are influential, that we are influencers, and he used two word metaphors in Matthew 5, which I'm sure you're all really familiar with, uh, to illustrate, to, to, to kind of exemplify what he meant by us being influencers. He said, you are salt and you are light. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You, you, you remember that phrase, right? Salt, what does salt do? Salt preserves, it purifies, it enhances the flavor, it makes things tasty. You are the salt of the earth. And he also said, you are the light of the world. What does light do? Light expels darkness, it, it banishes the shadows, it, it illuminates the, 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 the path. You're supposed to be salt, you're supposed to be light to let your light shine before others, to let your saltiness be, 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 be tasted by others. But most of us here, maybe, don't identify with being influential or being an influencer because maybe we feel like our light has dimmed somewhat. Maybe you don't feel particularly salty. That might be a good thing. Um, <laughs> or maybe 
because we compare ourselves to what today's culture says an influencer is. And we, we're not a content creator. We don't have hundreds or thousands of, of followers. We don't have a social media platform where we post lots of inane videos. But in the kingdom of God, being an influencer is absolutely not about having a platform. It's about a person. Not about a platform, it's about a person. It's about having a relationship with a person, someone perhaps in your sphere of influence, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your colleagues. It's, 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 it's about the person in front of you. And in the kingdom of God, being an influencer is less about a constant stream of often inane content. It's more about, well, often it can be more about just one moment, one conversation, one word of encouragement, one generous gesture, one act of kindness, one word of, of wisdom or wise counsel, one invitation, one prayer. The kingdom of God defines an influencer very, very, very Different. And if today you don't feel particularly influential or, or like you're much of an influencer, I want to encourage you with a story from the Bible that can be found in John 4. So if you've got a Bible or a bit of technology that you can, uh, you can find John 4 on, I want you to turn to the very famous story of the woman at the well. A story of an unremarkable person who has a remarkable influence on those around her. And normally I take a couple of minutes now to read it from the scriptures, but today we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're actually going to watch this story. Um, we're going to watch a clip from The Chosen, which some of you uh, are fans of. Others of you, like me, until this week have never heard of it or never seen it. No, that's not right. I had heard of it, but I'd not yet seen it. And I watched this clip, and it is nine or ten minutes long, and just to reassure you, the reason we're going to watch a long video is not because I haven't prepared a sermon. <laughs> I, used to, I, I, know, I used to be a geography teacher, and look, I confess, whenever I was unplanned for a lesson, we would watch volcano videos. That's what you do when you're, when you're short of time and you don't know what to say. Let's watch a video. I'm not doing that today. I'm, I want to show you this because it is incredibly beautiful, the interaction, and probably because we've all read this passage dozens of times, but maybe this will bring, uh, help us to see this with, with fresh eyes. Um, so we're going to watch this, uh, this content now. It is a longer video, and then I'm going to share a few thoughts afterwards. So, James, if we can roll VT. Thank you, my friend. We ate the last bread last night. Master, we need to go into town for food. We can use the gold left for us at the fountain. Very well. There's a town about a mile west. Sikar. You all go. I'll wait here. Someone should stay with you. In case. I'm all right. Meet me at that well when you come back.
you give me a drink? Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Wood. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done.
Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. You promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Your water! You forgot your um. Rabbi, we got food. What would you like? Ah, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Who got you food? Wait a minute. You told her? Mm -hmm. And she can tell others? What food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Y you told her who you are? Mm -hmm. So does that mean? It means we're going to stay here a couple of days. It's been a long time of sowing, but the fields are ripe for harvest. And so it's time. Let's go. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
I know the inherent risk with playing a video is that you just want to carry on watching and not listen to me. I feel the same, I would rather. But that's the end of season one, so you have to listen to me. Um, there isn't any more content. Um, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? When I, oh. um, two questions then, uh, as briefly as I can. Uh, two questions that I want to ask you to help unlock, uh, to open up this story as we think about this beautiful encounter. I want, you to, 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 I want to ask the question, what disqualifies this woman from being an influencer of others? And what qualifies her as being an influencer of others? First then, what disqualifies her? What disqualifies this woman of being an influencer? Well, firstly, she was a Samaritan. Look at verse 9 if you've got your Bible uh, open on the passage, on, open on your phone. Uh, she says in the interaction with Jesus, doesn't she? She says, I, I, you can't talk to me. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Uh, in verse 9, it says, how can you ask me for a drink? And then in brackets, as, 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 as explanation, John says, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. This is all to do with ancient history. Basically, the Jews who were uh, in Judea, um, despised the Jews of Samaria just slightly further north. Jesus was on his way north through Samaria. And the reason they despised him is because the true, thorough, the true blood thoroughbred Jews of Judea uh, considered the kind of muggle blood half-breed Samaritans as being scum. And they despised them because they had, been in, they had intermarried with and been inbred with the conquering Assyrians a few hundred years previously during one of the many exiles. Uh, so it's all to do with, with history. So she's like, so, so that disqualifies her. Firstly, she's a Samaritan, so she has very little authority outside of, 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 of Samaria. No, no influence at all. Secondly, do you see she says, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman. So as a female in society, again, if you know your, your history, in ancient Near East culture, uh, it wouldn't be, in fact, it would have been a scandal for Jesus, a man, a rabbi, a Jew, to talk to uh, a, a woman in public. Men were not seen conversing with women uh, in public, only in the home, and only your wives or your uh, wife <laughs> or your family. And also back then, of course, don't forget that women were seen as uh, second-class subordinate citizens. They were they were they were considered less, much lesser um, than men. Their testimony wasn't valid in court. It was a scandal, a double scandal, for Jesus to speak to a Samaritan female. What else disqualified her? Well, she's an immoral Samaritan woman. This woman is uh, uh, divorced five times. Jesus says to her, you, you've been married, you've, you've had five men, you're now living with a man who's not your husband. And notice in the passage and in the, in the clip, Jesus says, the person you're living with, you're not married to, which either means that they are unmarried or if the man she's living with is not her husband, then, he, then he's somebody else's husband. This woman is, um, would, would have been seen as a a seductress, a, a, a harlot. Do you know anybody that's been married five times? I mean, today, being married five times would be unusual. Back then, in way more conservative times, it would have been scandalous. So she's a Samaritan, she's a female, she's an immoral Samaritan woman, and she also has a very, very bad reputation. She is shunned and excluded from her society. She's ostracized. People have been, would have been suspicious uh, of her. The women in the town would have ma made sure to keep their husbands away from this woman. She would have had very few friends. And quite probably, she would have been forced to walk the one and a half miles or so from the town of Sychar to the well outside because she wasn't welcome to draw water from the well in town. Five times divorced, 
living with a man, not her husband, socially shunned, a social outcast with very few friends, would you think of this woman as an influencer? Was she particularly intelligent or talented or popular? Did she have authority or knowledge or relationship with the people in her town such that, could, such that she could be an influence on them, on their decisions and their choices? Was this woman the kind of person that anybody would listen or follow? No. 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 On all accounts, she is disqualified from being an influencer. She did none of those things. But then something happens to her. So think about the second question. What qualifies her as an influencer? Because something happens to her. And that something that happens to her is that she meets Jesus. She meets Jesus and that changes everything. She has this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And it kind of happens in three stages as, I, as, I, as I've um, studied and, and kind of lived in this passage for this last week. You can see it happening in three stages. First, she has an encounter with Jesus. She has this strange, unusual, cryptic conversation about water, living water, and spirit and truth, and where worship is supposed to happen in Jerusalem at the temple or on the mountain. She has an, an, an encounter with Jesus where she, she begins to understand a little more. But remember, she's come to the well just to meet a physical need. She's not got spiritual things on her mind. Like most of us, she's just looking to meet her physical needs, hunger, thirst, shelter, all those kind of things. She wants thirst-quenching water. And then she has this strange conversation. She's confused. Jesus says, well, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you'd ask me for water. It's living water. And she assumes that he's talking about running water from a stream. And she's like, well, there's no stream nearby. Where's this source of living water? Isn't this well good enough? This, this well, of course, is about 100 foot deep. It was standing water. It wasn't, it wasn't living water in that sense. An unusual conversation with her. But Jesus, through this conversation, this encounter with her, he, he, the way that he sees her is so beautiful, isn't it? You saw it, didn't you? I thought it was dramatized so beautifully. He sees her for who she really is. He sees past all the stuff that we know he knows about her. He sees her for, as a person. He speaks to her with love and dignity. He honors her. He sees her heart. He sees her character. He sees the gold in her. And then after the encounter, it kind of becomes an experience of Jesus for her, doesn't it? Because with a single word, a word of prophecy or knowledge from the Holy Spirit, he completely opens her up. Again, beautifully acted, wasn't it? You saw how she just melts. She's like undone, ruined almost by this word. Jesus just pierces her heart saying, Go get your husband. Actually, I know you've already had five and the man you're living with is not your husband. Have you ever had an experience with Jesus where maybe a word of knowledge is shared with you, a word of prophecy, where someone says something to you that they, they could never have known if it hadn't been for God revealing it to them? Have you ever had that experience? I've had it on a couple of occasions and honestly, you are <laughs> totally ruined but at the same time, just feeling so seen and so known and so loved and not condemned in any way. It's amazing. Isn't it amazing what we just saw? And then after the, the, the encounter, which becomes this experience, she, she then has this epiphany, this revelation of who Jesus 
is. And he, he reveals himself to her as the Messiah, demonstrates it, proves it through this word of prophecy, through the knowledge that he gives her. And he imparts this revelation to her. Her eyes are opened and she's like, you're the Christ. You are the Christ, the one we've all been waiting for. It's the most beautiful encounter with Jesus. That's what qualifies her. That's what makes her an influencer. And then look, look, look and see what happens in the story. Because the second thing that qualifies her as an influencer is that having met Jesus, she has a story to tell. She has a, a testimony. Look uh, with me at verses 28 to 30. Let me read them for you. It says, Then leaving her water jar, we saw that in the clip, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way toward him. The woman leaves her water jar. She rushes into town, bursting to tell everybody that she thinks she's just met the Messiah. And incredibly, the townsfolk drop everything and follow her back out of town to meet Jesus. Look at verse 30. It says they came out of town and made their their way toward him. Or I like the more graphic description in another translation where it says the people streamed out of the village towards him. That people listened to this woman This woman, this immoral Samaritan woman of ill repute, the fact that they listened to her and came out to see Jesus is remarkable. Think of who she was. The townsfolk had every reason to ignore her, to dismiss her, to tell her to shut up and go away. And yet they listened. For some reason they listened because she had had this life-changing encounter. And I love this bit. Think about it. It was midday. It was just afternoon. She's just had an encounter with Jesus. The disciples have gone into town to buy their lunch. What do you think everybody in the town was doing? Eating their lunch. Or if they've just finished their lunch, they're having their siesta. It's even more remarkable that they leave the town to go and meet Jesus having listened to this woman because either they were eating or they were snoozing. And no one likes being interrupted when they're eating or snoozing. Leave me alone, I would have said. I'm having a nap. My belly is full. Go away. And yet, they stream out of the village in droves. In droves. It's absolutely amazing. And and, and notice what happens after she said this. And they, they come out of town. It says in verse 39, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans uh, came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Because of the woman's testimony, do you see those words? Because she'd met Jesus, she tells the story. She's an influencer, and many come to faith. And then it snowballs. He stays for two days and he teaches some more. And then do you see what it, what, what it said in verse, uh, in verse 41? Many more became believers. So many come to faith and then many more become believers. You see how it's snowballing just because of one woman. One woman who has a life-changing encounter with Jesus and becomes an influencer. But the most unlikely of influencers. Simply because she met Jesus. Simply because she has a story to tell. She becomes an influencer who influences dozens and dozens of people And many, many, many become believers. She is the first preacher in the New Testament. Outside of Jesus and his little gang of disciples, she's the first member of the public, if you like, who finds out who he really is. And she 
leads, because of her testimony, so many people in her town become saved. It's just incredible. So as I close, let me think about, let's think about this. What does this beautiful story tell us here? What does it tell us? Well, firstly, surely it tells us that no matter who you are or what you've done, no matter what kind of mistakes you've made or the mess your life uh, might be in, no one is ever too far gone, no one is ever too far messed up or broken for God's love or grace to reach you and embrace you. Maybe today, some of you here, maybe some of you watching online, need to meet Jesus. Maybe some of you need to have that life-changing encounter, experience, and then the epiphany of meeting Jesus. This story also tells us that anyone and everyone, even me, even you, can be an influencer. Here we see the town harlot, a woman with a scandalous reputation, somebody people would normally go out of their way to avoid being near. We see this person, this kind of person, broken, messed up, being an influencer. Surely this story shows us that you do not have to have it all together. You do not need to have all the answers. You do not have to have your life sorted to be an influence on the people around you. You do not have to be an Old Testament scholar. You do not need to have, be some kind of spiritual powerhouse. You do not need to have your life perfect to be an influencer. Friends, if you don't think you're an influencer, I want you to think again. I want you to see yourself, how God sees you. Let me ask you, have you met Jesus? Have you had an encounter or an experience with Jesus? Have you? Have you? I know many of you have because I know you and I know your stories. I know you've met Jesus. You're an influencer. You're an influencer. Do you have a story or a testimony of how Jesus has impacted your life? Do you? I do. I know you do. You guys are influencers. You've met Jesus. You've encountered him. You've experienced him. You know at least something of who he is. You have a story to tell. You are an influencer. You absolutely are. All you have to do is open your mouth and tell your story. To be an influencer in the kingdom of God is to say... Just like the woman in verse 29, she just says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see this man. Come see this man who told me everything I ever did. Come and see. He might just be the one we've all been waiting for. To be an influencer in the kingdom of God, you just have to know and love Jesus. And then be willing to to love people enough to invite them to come and see. To be an influencer in the kingdom of God, you just have to have received the light of God into your life, into your life and then let your light shine before men. This is influence in the kingdom of God. Not some D-list celebrity who's posting on social media some rubbish content to a few thousand people. To be an influencer could be just a single person, you, having met Jesus, which leads to many, many people hearing your story, which leads to many more people becoming believers. A single seed was sown in this woman's heart. And then that seed planted other seeds in dozens and dozens of other hearts and spread further and further and further and further. And she plays her part in 
Well, that's the multiplier effect of the kingdom. Fast forward 2,000 years and there are now 2 billion people who know and love Jesus. And this woman at the well was instrumental in people hearing about it back in her day. You are an influencer. You are. You're an influencer. You are salt and light. So go be light and go be salty. Go and influence people. Go and tell your story. You're an influencer. But remember, remember, our influence isn't on what people buy on their purchase decisions. It's on what people believe. Our influence isn't on what people buy. It's on what they believe. And our influence isn't on where people will spend their money, but where people will spend eternity. Right? Am I right? And let's not forget that if there are two billion people who already know and love Jesus on our planet, that means there's another five billion there or thereabouts who haven't yet heard or don't yet know, haven't had somebody influence them. Friends, we've got to be influencers. We've got to be salt. We've got to be light. Because as Jesus says, we saw in the clip, the workers are few. The workers are few. The the, the fields are white, are ripe unto harvest, but the workers are few. The influencers, if you like, are few. Go be an influencer. Go be salt. Go be light. Amen?